And it is truly all about his glory. That's what we're here for, for the fame of the name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, and uh, may we make much of him always as we go after life. And uh, I just want to start this morning with a quick little family chat, all right? Just a moment of time here. We're going to take a second just to update you. So as you've noticed, we've had some changes going on in the parking lot, right? We've got that updated now, and we've got two entrances, two exits, and a couple hundred extra spots. And, uh, and all of God's people said, <laughs> it's nice to see God providing in that way, and it's been uh, just a very sweet opportunity for us to be able to make this place all that much more accessible, and uh, that's been great. There's one other thing we're going to be doing, and I just wanted to let you know this before it happened so you wouldn't be surprised as it came out, all right? So it's going to be your job to get the word out, and uh, just so you know, uh, we're going to be changing some signs because of the parking lot and some of the changes that went on. And so as we're changing signs, we're doing a little bit of updating, all right? So the logo and all that are going to be changed. We just wanted to let you know that and get you uh, kind of fair warned on it. In fact, here's a, a look of what it's going to be going like. And uh, just so you know, this is actually something that the Harvest Fellowship, all the Harvest Bible chapels went to about four years ago. But if you notice that time frame, we had just moved into this building and we had just invested into a bunch of signs. And so we were kind of like, nuh-uh. We're not going to right now. And uh, each church is independent. That's something you need to know about Harvest Bible Chapel. Every harvest is independent. And so we did have the right to choose and make some sense out of things. And over these last years, we've been just thinking, so when it makes sense, we'll move to it. Not right now, for sure. And uh, let's just be wise with the stewardship. As we look to go to invest in like a big new stone sign out there at the parking lot and all that stuff, we thought now's the time, all right? So we're kind of catching up the logo. That's what it's going to look like. Just so you know, look at the left-hand side, that logo piece. I'm just going to want you to say, say one word with me now, all right? The word is vertical. Just say it with me. Right? When we go after this church, we are going after one thing. A vertical church, a church on fire for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So hear me, as we go after this and somebody might see it and they're like, hey, what's with the logo change? You're like, oh, I know what that's all about. One word. The word is? And now you've got where we're headed, all right? And so this is our logo. We'll be rolling this out in a couple different spots. Really not a big deal, but for those who can't stand change, we love you. All right? And uh, working with you. Okay? So that's enough of that. Family chat over. Okay, so hey, we're in a uh, series here called The God of My Today, The God of My Today, and uh, we're talking through the first half of Daniel, Daniel chapters one through six, and uh, as we walk through this book, we are seeing God move in huge ways within the life of Daniel and within nations, and God is doing a massive work in showing them that God has a plan. Everybody just say it with me. God has a plan. Man, know this for your life. God has a plan. And as we look at the God of my today, we are wrestling each time we walk into a chapter, Lord, show me who you are. Lord, show me your greatness. And then, Lord, show me how I should respond to you because of it. All right? That's what we're walking through. That's where we're at. Don't forget, we're in the book of Daniel. So that's about 600 BC. It's some 1,500 years after the promise to Abraham. It's some 600 years before the time of Christ. And uh, everybody just say, that's a long time ago. It's a long time ago. But there was a lot going on in the nation of Israel and Judah 
and there was a lot going on with Daniel as he was now taken captive, brought over to Babylon, and he's seeing God work in huge ways in the nation of Babylon. We just got done with Daniel chapter 2 last week, which is a massive uh, study on the end times, but uh, it also gives us a great understanding that God does have a plan. God knows exactly what he's doing and where he's going with it. In fact, Daniel chapter 2, the chapter we just finished last week, was all about a dream given to King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, that basically revealed to him what was going to happen with the nations in 600 B.C. and 300 B.C. and 100 A.D. and all the way up even to the present and into the future. What does it mean that Christ is going to return? That was Daniel chapter 2. And in fact, as he revealed out, don't forget... He revealed out through this giant statue, this image in a dream, right? And uh, it was a giant image, a dream message from God to Nebuchadnezzar. And it had several parts to it. It had a head of gold and a chest of silver and a middle of bronze and legs of iron. And, and then it had the feet of iron and clay, right? It had this statue, head of gold. And he was told, that head of gold, Nebuchadnezzar, that's you in Babylon, That's you, the greatest of kingdoms. And Nebuchadnezzar understood God in charge and grasped it. But we're also going to see that some things kind of went awry. All right? And so we're going to now turn to Daniel chapter 3 as we take a look at our God and our call to action. In fact, the title today, Glorious. God is glorious, so I will worship. And uh, may nothing distract us from our worship of our God. I will worship. And uh, so how do I go about doing that? What does that look like? Point number one, be aware. The world will call for your worship to be given away to weak things. And uh, be aware. The world will call for your worship to be given away to weak things. All right? And uh, So just be aware. That's our first step. And we'll move from there. Let's start in Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. Everybody say that's a bad plan, right? So he just got done seeing God's in charge. He just got done with this awesome dream of a statue and God doing things and you're the head of gold. And then he's like, man, a statue's a great idea. Maybe I should make one that should really revolve around me. And, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, he made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, its breadth was six cubits. Just so you know, a cubit's about a foot and a half. So this is like 90 feet tall by nine feet wide. Probably had some kind of base it was set on, so it may have even been taller than that, but 90 by nine. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, all the officials of the province to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. He basically called in all of the military and political and financial and organizational individuals with under the, that are under him. All of them. And how many did he call in? He's like, hey, I have a great plan. I've made an image, and I want you all to come and show up for it. You need to see it. And uh, so he called all of his leaders in, and uh, he had set this image up. It says, then 
the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all of the officials of the province gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I love the way Daniel writes. He's like, this is the list, and just so you know, I'm going to restate the list. Every single one of them showed up. In other words, he's saying, be obedient when the king calls you, right? And he's got all of them called out, all of them do show up. It says, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, all 90 feet of it. They stood in front of it. It says that as they stood there, um, a herald proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the tregan, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Everybody say, that's a bad plan. Okay, and so what do we do when our leaders and our officials ask us to sin? And uh, make sure we know and make sure we understand exactly what we're called to be before our God and make sure you never, ever move off of your God comes first. And all of God's people said, and uh, so, man, if you are called to break down your worship, the answer is no. The answer is no, all right? And uh, so he's given out this giant declaration, you will fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And uh, I just think it's important to note here, uh, Nebuchadnezzar did not necessarily make this image. It doesn't tell us what it looks like. And uh, I know there are a lot of us who have been taught this story from the time we were maybe little, and uh, I was taught that he made it in his own image to look like him. In fact, that's not what it says here. We don't know what the image looked like. And it's possible that it had some reference to him. It's possible it looked like some part of the image that he just had the dream of prior. A lot of things are possible. We're not sure what it is. It doesn't say what it looked like. Everybody say that's not the point. It really doesn't matter what it looks like. We're not bowing to a statue and worshiping that, right? And uh, that is the clarity of what we have called out here from the herald. Make sure you bow down and worship this thing set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And I love the word immediately there. Like, it's not bad enough if it's a fiery furnace. Whoever doesn't bow will be cast into a fiery furnace. No, that doesn't sound tough enough. Shall immediately be cast into a fiery burning furnace. And uh, therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples of nations and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And uh, they did not have a view towards the great God of the universe. They had a view towards a king who would kill them otherwise. And so they were willing to give up their worship to protect their life. There was a cost and a penalty, and it was high enough that they said, forget it. I'm going to give him whatever he wants. And uh, so Nebuchadnezzar has gone nuts. He has decided to build a massive statue. He has decided to call people to blow up their worship. He did just come face to face with the God of the universe in Daniel chapter 2, and that apparently hasn't affected his ego too much right? And so now he's like, hey, just so you know, bow here or else. And uh, verse 8, 
Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. There are Jews that are now in Babylon. Remember, they have been taken captive. They are prisoners brought back over to Babylon. But it's not just the Jews who are slaves. That's not who they're talking about here. We're going to see who he's talking about. These are some Jews that got elevated up, and we saw it at the end of Daniel chapter 2. Daniel is able to share out the dream and its interpretation at the end of Daniel 2 to the king. And in so doing, the king has declared out, whatever you want, man, and I want to honor and reward you. And so Daniel gets placed number two in the nation, and he gets several other Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, to be placed up very high in the province of Babylon as well. They have a very high role and responsibility, and uh, I can only imagine that those from Babylon were like, what gives? What are these? These guys are supposed to be slaves, man, right? And so it says here, they came with malicious accusation. They were saying things with a goal of hurting them. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Apparently, that's the way you address someone when you like them and respect them, and you want to let them know that they matter a lot, right? O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. What are they doing? This would be what we're called sucking up, right? They're quoting back to him his exact words, right? This is where you stand. This is what you said, right? And they give the exact list, and the king is like, yes, that is what I have said. Absolutely, that is what I have said. And thank you for listening to me, by the way. And I appreciate that you are honoring me in the midst. Then they said, Well, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. You see how they just made it personal? And now they're trying to get a problem going. It says, they do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. They're basically trying to say, you should have a problem with them. And what are they doing up so high when they won't listen to you? And notice now, this is a malicious accusation, so says the scripture. Is it true what they're saying? Is it true? Yeah. Go ahead and say it loud. Is it true? It is true, right? If they're not lying about it right now. Sometimes they had to deceive. Sometimes they had to lie. Here they're like, cool, we just get to tell the truth and get them in trouble. And they're like, but here's the deal, man. We need them to be torn down. What was actually motivating them? Were they like, wow, I'm really so pure about my love and my passion for my king, and this is so sideways against him. I'm just going to stand up and say something. Is that where it's at? No, man, this is about jealousy. How dare they be put above us when they're not even listening? Time for them to go down. And their goal in telling this is that they would sit under the punishment of being then thrown into the fiery furnace. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They've made it personal, and they're trying to fire the king up a bit here. And I know this. This is a call in the time of Daniel 
for their worship to be compromised. You hearing me? This is the world saying, it's time for you to not worship your God. You worship what we've just manufactured. And all of a sudden, their worship is being put in jeopardy and uh, an idol being placed in front of them. Man, it's a lot easier to recognize an idol like when you're reading the Old Testament and it's like a 90-foot statue, right? And that's a pretty easy idol to recognize, uh, but we have a lot of idols today in our lives, right? And uh, I just wrote this phrase down, good definition for an idol. Uh, That for which you would give anything and accept nothing in its replacement. That for which you would give anything and accept nothing in its replacement. That's your God. And if it's not God himself, it's an idol, right? It's that thing you go after hardcore, that for which you would give anything. And is that God himself and God alone? Or is that something else? That for which you would give anything and accept nothing in replacement. That's what your God is. It might be a little G God, but that's your God. What are you going after? And I just wrote these things down, top idols in our society, all right? Top idols in our society, here we go. So the first three here are probably going to ring true a little bit more maybe for a a lot of those who are 40 and up, all right? And uh, so here we go. First, success. I will achieve. I am going to get my name on some things. I am going to accomplish some things. My name attached to and it's going to go very well. Success, getting your name on top. Or here's another one, power. Uh, I will have people under me. I will be able to tell them what to do. I will be able to direct a company. I will have power, success, power. Next one, wealth. Property, cash, land, whatever it is, I will own. I will own, I will have people under me, and I will succeed. That was actually the battle cry of many generations quite frankly, and uh, for those 40 and up, you kind of grew up in an era where those things were made much of, and uh, those could become an idol. I will get this at all costs. I will work no matter what it does to my family. I will work the hours I need to work, even if it blows me or them up. To get this, I will give, right? And uh, here's three more. These may ring more true for the uh, teens, 20s, 30s crew. All right, and uh, not necessarily that it always lines up this way. Don't hear me wrong. It's wherever it matches for you is where it matches. Get to get on those things and work on them. But these tend to ring true a lot more for uh, this generation, if you will. Uh, number four, relationships. I will have awesome relationships, great friendships, deep family friendships, tons of time with people. Relationships. Uh, number five. Comfort. I may only be 23 years old, but I want to live in a really, really nice place. Not necessarily big. I'm okay if it's not big, but very comfortable. A nice place where a decent job, they're paying me well, and I'm able to do the things I do working 33 hours a week. Comfort. I want to be able to relax a lot. And uh, number six, relaxation. High value on evenings and weekends. And just so you know, there are some of you where when I read one, two, and three, 
you were kind of writing them down and sort of sheepishly thinking through things, and you could see it on your facial expression. And when I'm reading five, four, five, and six, you're like, what? Not at all. And then there's others of you where I'm reading one, two, and three, and you're like, they so need to change that. And when I'm reading four, five, and six, you can see on your face, you're like, what's wrong with a good friendship and a little relaxation, right? And again, I'm just going to say this. Be careful. There's nothing wrong with any of these things in and of themselves. Again, let me say it. There is nothing wrong with any of these things in and of themselves. To be successful is not a sin. For God to have trusted you with wealth or with people under you and there's some level of power and responsibility to have great relationships, to be having a comfortable moment, to get some relaxation time, there's nothing wrong with those things. But when they're the thing you go after above all else and nothing will get in your way, this I will have. Now you have an idol. And it'll eat you up. And uh, I'm telling you, if you're on the bottom half, you will mock the top half list. They're a bit opposing in nature. And if you're on the top half, you will mock the bottom half list. Just know this, know yourself, know your tendency, and set it down before your God. And all of God's people said, Amen. man, where are you at? And what are you going after that is so valuable to you that you have to have it? You know, this past week, we had a men's arsenal on Tuesday night, and it was a great night. We had uh, really our largest men's gathering, I think, that we've ever had. It was over 400 guys showed up here, and uh, just a huge night of uh, some time in relationships, some time connecting, some time with worship, some time in some singing, some time in some preach. Pastor Mark brought just a power word from God's word and a huge challenge from Jonah chapter 1 to watch who and how you're following after your God. Just be careful with it. Make sure you're really listening to the God who has a relentless grace, a God who goes after you with all he's got. What are you doing in response to him? And he had a great challenge for the men as we walked through it that night of, are you listening to your God? Or are you listening to that? Thing deep within yourself that's whispering and telling you to go another direction. And uh, man, as we broke out into men's groups, and we had groups all over this church, very cool to break 400 guys out into small groups that ended up mid to large groups in a lot of cases. Probably had some 20 plus guys in a lot of the groups. And uh, as we talked it out, just getting real with each other and super transparent on what's going on. And what are you holding on to? The word we used that night wasn't idle, but it's the same thing. It's what becomes so valuable to you that you go after it, and it's messing up your walk with your God. And guys getting real all over the place, and we had some guys really getting transparent, getting some serious help that night, and other guys saying, hey, look, this is something I understand, but I gotta get on it, just getting real with you right here. Will you help me? And Man, the group I was in, super transparent, so easy to lead. I just read the question, and they're starting to share out, and amazing to watch God work in the lives of men getting on fire for Christ. Amen? And a huge man. And a dude, if you missed out on this men's arsenal, don't miss the next one. We'll have another one coming in the spring. You don't want to miss being a part of what we're a part of here and going after it and exciting to see what God is doing. And uh, Idols. It's easy for us to get distracted. It's easy for us to start to go after the things that would feel good 
to me, whatever your value system is, and you bring down your worship of your God. Watch out. Be aware. The world calls for you to worship what is weaker than your God. Do not give it up. All right? Simple question. Do you have an idol? Do you have something you're holding on to as higher value than God? Get ready to give it back, set it down, and go after your king. That's number one. Number two, be clear. Never set down your worship to anyone or anything less than the Almighty God. Be clear. Never set down your worship to anyone or anything less than your Almighty God. And uh, we start here in verse 13. It says, Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, does that sound familiar? Remember that from chapter 2? This guy goes off a lot. He like makes commands, and then when people don't follow, he loses it, right? And Nebuchadnezzar, in a furious rage, he commanded Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Hopefully you can hear a very genuine respect coming from him in this. This isn't him yelling. He's got words in there like, is it true? And uh, uses the word O in front of it. O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Like, I know you guys. This can't be true, is it? And uh, now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the tregan, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. Right? He's like, listen, I'm just going to restate the rules one more time. Maybe you misunderstood. So here we are again. When you hear the music, drop. If you do that, we're all good. We're not going to do anything here. This is a fair warning, one last shot. I just need to know, will you please drop on your knees when you hear the sound of music? And, uh, but if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. He did not change the rules because of who they were. He left it as it stood and said, you're going to need to do this. And, uh, but if you do not worship, you will immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Everybody say that was a bad plan. And he's like, listen to me now. I'm in charge here. And I'm giving you a statement. You're going to do what I say. Or I will put you in the fiery furnace. And there is no getting out of this one. My hands and my people will put you in a fire that will clearly burn you. Know this. Do it or else. And... Uh, I love the challenge that he gives as he says, who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And uh, you got to know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are like, oh, I know a God. <laughs> right? They're like, do you remember Daniel chapter 2? It's going to be written down, king. You're going to look stupid. Right? You're going to want to listen. This whole dream came out, and you heard it, and you know the God of it, and you're forgetting already. That's got to be running through their heads. 
And now we see them make a statement. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, again a sign of respect, we have no need to answer you in this matter. A little less respectful, right? We have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able. Everybody say, is able. He is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver. Everybody say, will deliver. And he will deliver us out of your hand. Oh, king, are you hearing it? The king was like, you're going to do it, right? And what God can deliver you out? And they're like, oh, my God can. My God is able and my God will. But if not, everybody say if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Be informed of this. Our worship will not be toyed with. There are three statements in here that we have got to grasp. My God is able. My God will. And even if my God doesn't. And uh, my God can. My God will. And even if my God doesn't, we will worship him, not what you're calling us to. And hopefully you've heard that phrase before and you know what I'm talking about. And uh, this passage right here super near and dear to the hearts of our family. My God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't. And man, over these last years of battling through some things, and for those of you who have been with us, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who are new, there was about uh, four years ago, three and a half years ago, where I was diagnosed with a brain tumor that was benign, praise God, but growing and crushing pituitary hormones, going nuts. Basically had the body of an 80-year-old. I was collapsing out energy-wise and needed immediate surgery. And uh, man, as we sat down to talk through this and pray through this, I'm just telling you, there are such tender moments looking back. I cannot imagine Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and they're, I got to step away from my daughter now because there's tears in her eyes and now there's tears in mine. So I'm going to step over here for a moment and uh, love you, sweetheart. And uh, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, can you imagine the midst of what they're being called to and their stand they're taking? I will never forget the call I got where I took it and went into another room. I went into our bedroom and closed the door. A call from a doctor, a dear friend of ours who said, all right, we've got good news and we've got bad news. The good news, right? We know exactly what it is. The bad news. You have a one-inch tumor in the middle of your brain, and we're going to have to go in and do surgery now, like as fast as we can. We got to get this done. And so I went out and told my wife, and we had a moment of time together and tears together, and then we called the kids out to what we affectionately then began to call the war couch. And we sat down on that couch together, and we shared out what was going on, and we prayed, and we cried out to God, and we have one prayer. My God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, we will worship you. Amen? Amen. Amen. 
I'm telling you, that comes straight out of Daniel chapter 3, and a huge passage of teach. And know this, we walked through that surgery, and uh, God blessed well there, and the tumor was pulled back, and there was a little bit of healing that was going on, and there was a recovery going on in the pituitary, and the tumor started to grow again. And uh, we had to go back in two years later, and uh, even more so at that point, our battle cry. My God can. My God will. And even if my God doesn't, we will worship him. This is where we stand. If it's the end of ministry for us, so be it. We will stand by you, God, whatever. Whatever you do. And uh, man, I love the way God works in our lives. And sometimes it is with a resounding Amen to that, and I will answer. And he moves, and he shows he is able. And sometimes he says, I will walk you through this storm, and you will have me in the middle of it. And I'm telling you, God's got a plan. God's got a plan. And in the midst of your storm, you have one phrase to cry out. My God can My God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. This battle cry, straight from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, so practical for today. Man, what is your struggle? What is your fiery furnace? What is God calling you to where the world is calling you away from it. And it's time for you to say, I'm setting that down. And this will be all about my worship, not my comfort. This will be all about what God does in my heart and through our worship and nothing about what I get in the midst may you be worshiped. I'm telling you, that thunderous cry from a single soul has the power to be used by God to change lives around you. As you live for your king, people look on from the outside and go, I don't get that. And you get to say these words. Man, I would love to introduce you to the most high God. He rocks my world, and I will not be moved. My God can, and my God will. But hear me, even if my God doesn't, he is stunning, and nothing will take my eyes off of him. Are you willing to take that stand? really process it. Are you willing? In the midst of your stuff to say, okay, God, no matter what, you get worshiped. I'm on. Man, set down the battle. Set down the idols. Be clear with your worship. And make it much about your king. All right? I just wrote these words down. It is not trust 
if it is trust no matter what. It is not trust if, it is trust no matter what, all right? That's what it looks like to be clear in your worship. All right, number three, be strong. No matter what the circumstances, stand with your God and watch him work. No matter what the circumstances, stand with your God and watch him work. Be strong. Here we go. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar has just put down the throwdown statement, do it or you'll die. And they're like, well, yeah, no. Right? We're not going to do that. And our God can save us from, you want to know what God can save us from your hand? My God can. And I will not move. Nebuchadnezzar responds. Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. And the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. By the way, if you want proof in Scripture that the original statements he was making, oh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were a little more on the friendly side, here you have a facial expression change as the anger is now gripping him. And uh, his face was changed against them. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. Everybody say, that's hot. We need to grasp that, man. This thing is cooking hot. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments. And they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace was overheated, the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Are you getting it? It was so hot that as they're taking the guys and they're ready to throw them into the furnace, just getting close enough to get them into the furnace, right? How close do you have to be to chuck a 175 to whatever pound guy, right? To throw this guy in, you got to be kind of close, even if you're doing the one, two, three thing, right? You're going to be kind of close, right? And all of a sudden, the heat and the flame so hot that it killed them as they stood there. And uh, I looked a couple things up this week. Uh, 150 degrees for three seconds gives us third-degree burns. 150 degrees for three seconds. The typical furnace that was used for clay building and that kind of stuff, which is probably what this was, burned somewhere around 1,000 to 3,000 degrees. 150, three seconds, gives you third-degree burns. They're pushing 1,000 to 3,000 degrees somewhere in there. This thing is amped up high, so, so hot that just getting that close gives you the third-degree burn, right? And their thing is, if I don't throw them in, the king is going to probably throw me in. I'm doing my job, but they got to get close enough to do it. And doing their job even took their life. The heat coming out of that furnace, so hot. Everybody just say, so hot. Man, we hear this story, and we may have heard of it as a kid, and we just kind of simplify it down. And uh, this is not like the furnace in your basement. Right? This thing is cooking at 3,000 degrees and uh, killer hot in a huge way says, because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took it up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and these three men, 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. The king took control. His word happened. You didn't do what I said and bow. I'm in charge. So I'm going to throw you in a fiery furnace. And I did that. His statement was, who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? And as far as he's concerned right now, they are thrown in. The men who had to throw him in are killed. He has achieved exactly what he said he would do. I told you I would throw you in that furnace. He was counting on nature. That kind of heat will kill. And his authority. I told you I'd put you in there. This is what happens when you disobey me. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. Why? Because he did not know the God Most High. And he had his trust in his own power and his own understanding of nature. But God had a plan. Everybody just say, God had a plan. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished. He rose up in haste. Can you imagine how that went down? As the king is sitting there and he's like, throw him in. I told him, mess with me. Got to do the little rant thing on the side, right? There's no way he wasn't ranting. He's got this facial expression about him as he's sitting there and he's like, I can't believe it. You know not to mess with me. Don't you mess with me. And then they go over and they pitch him in. And he's sitting there and all of a sudden he goes like this. What? Can you imagine? The jump up, as it says now. He declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? Okay, the proper answer to that question is, uh, duh, right? That's the proper answer to that question. Didn't we throw three people in? They answered the king. Uh, True, O king. Like, I was going to say duh, but I think this one's better, right? Uh, True, O king. Uh, He answered and said, but I see four men. But I see, everybody say, God is at work. But I see four men. Now get ready for the adjectives. Unbound. Are you getting it? They were bound up. The fire, it burned the ropes off, but it's not burning them. I see four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire. They're on a pick and stroll, man. They're walking around in the first like, hey, how's it going? Good to see you, man. They're walking around in there. They're not even just standing there. You know, they're not standing there with a look of grimace on their face. They're walking around. I wonder what it's like over here in this corner. Here we are over here. Look at this. They're just walking around unbound, it says, in the midst of the fire. And they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth one is like a son of the gods. This visit is stunning. It's amazing. God himself stepping into the plan. And these three refusing to break down their worship. And it says there is a stunning glory. Can you imagine a furnace burning at 3,000 degrees? That's rather bright. And there is a fourth being in the middle that looks so bright like a son of the gods. 
And uh, this is an angel sent from the Lord or more. Most would probably say this is Jesus Christ himself, right? What they would call a Christophany, Christ showing up before he had come to this earth to be a man. Christ on earth, walking in the fire with them. He's like, hey, boys, how's it going? Just so you understand here now, guys, I made fire. This is nothing. Amen. I made fire. I'm in charge. I sustain. It is by my presence that that one who threw you in here takes his next breath. I'm in charge. Time for us to just be a little bit together. Thank you for your worship. And let's do some communing. Jesus Christ with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking around in the midst of the fire. Have you ever felt that way? You're in the midst of your struggle. Christ with you. And he's going to walk through it with you. God promises us an amazing journey with him. Sometimes he walks us around it. And sometimes he walks us right through the middle of it. But you know the most high God. Man, you know Jesus Christ. You are trusting in him. And if you are leaning on him as your savior, hear me now. God has a plan. Go for a stroll in the midst of that struggle. Your God is doing something. Nothing will take my eyes off him. Nothing. I'm in. For as long as God calls it, I'm in. I will worship the most high king. Man, this is a stunning story of worship. And uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he's blown away by the four. Nebuchadnezzar comes near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. And he declares, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God. Are you hearing it? He gets a little bit of it now. Servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. And uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. Like, oh, okay, why not? Right? It was literally a decision they had to make. And I guarantee you, guarantee, it doesn't say it in Scripture, guarantee it goes like this. Come out of the fire. You good with that? They're looking at Jesus Christ standing right there with them. You good with that? He's like, I'm good with that. We've made our point. Go ahead. And they're like, all right, we'll come out. What does it look like for a guy to be climbing out of a 3,000 degree burning fiery furnace, stepping out? Right? You step out, you're like, what? Can you imagine being the guy standing around that? And you're just looking dumbfounded at them stepping out. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego just came out of the fire. I love it. It's just so matter of fact. And the satraps, prefects, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. Do you think? They started, what in the world are we seeing? And they saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of fire had come upon them. God had a plan. Amen? And uh, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, hear me now, this is a huge moment. 
Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. He's like, all right, lesson learned. Blessed be their God. Forget what I made. Are you hearing that? That's what he's saying. You forget what I just made. Blessed be their God. Look at what just happened in front of us. He says, therefore, I make a decree. And uh, you got to love kings, right? Always about the decree thing, right? And, And so you're sitting back there and you're like, another one? The last one didn't go well. Can we not really, right? And he's like, therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Notice he still hasn't made it his God. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins. Does that sound familiar? That's Daniel chapter 2, right? With the magicians and all that they were not able to tell him. And he's like, tear them limb from limb and burn their houses to ruins. Destroy it. And uh, same thing now, for there is no God who is able to rescue in this way. Man, if you want one verse to memorize, hear me. There is no God who can rescue in this way. That is your king. That is your God. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Yeah, I would think so. Right? And uh, can you imagine they're bound and getting ready to be thrown into the furnace? I really don't think this happened. I don't think at the moment it's like, one, two, they're getting ready. And Shadrach, when he leans over to Meshach, and he's like, dude, promotion's coming. I can feel it. (laughs) Probably not. Probably not that, right? When things look dire, All of a sudden, we drop our worship and we lose our trust. Are you in the middle of what looks dire? Hear me. My God can, my God will, and even if my God doesn't, I will worship him. And all of God's people said, Daniel chapter 3. Let's pray.